Where we kick ass. Two. One. Hey, Sequoia. I'm proud of you. You're KA19 podcast host for today. This is my first podcast ever, and I'm really excited, and I'm joined by Pranav, my co-host. How are you doing, Pranav? I'm doing great, Pradyush. Today's Friday, and I'm enjoying myself. Today, we're interviewing our guest, Dr. Chamberlain, CVUSD's mental health coordinator. Dr. Chamberlain is here to talk to us about how anxiety impacts young adults at school, at home, and with their friends. So, before we begin, Dr. Chamberlain, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your role in our district? Yes, um, I am your mental health services coordinator. Many of you never get to meet me, but what I am in charge of is anything that has to do with student mental health. So that could be students that are struggling, but it also could be just trying to develop programs to prevent students from experiencing mental health challenges like anxiety. Helping students is very important, and thank you for doing it. You are, you've probably met many students who need your help, right? Yes, I have. So, let's just r- dive right into the topic of anxiety. So, Dr. Chamberlain, might I ask how you would define anxiety? Anxiety and stress are challenges that young adults have to cope with every day. So, how would you define it? What is it really? Well, I love that you're asking me this question because there's many types of anxiety. For example, agoraphobia is a type of anxiety where somebody doesn't want to leave their home. Social anxiety is a type of anxiety where people might not want to interact with other people. But I think it's important for today for us to just have a general definition of anxiety. And so the way I would define general anxiety is as a stressor or um, a mood that interferes with your, your everyday life most days for over six months. So that would be, I don't go to the mall with my friends because I'm too anxious to be around them for six months. Most days, I don't feel like interacting with them. Mm-hmm. I, that's really interesting. I actually never knew there were different types of anxiety. Yeah. So, so do you think young adults or teenagers or any person gains anxiety from themselves, or do they like get it from their parents, teachers, or some people they see around them? Well, that's also a great question because anxiety can be contagious. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you're getting ready to take a test and you feel great about it, and then all of a sudden someone comes in and they're anxious and they ask you, hey, did you study this? And you're like, oh my gosh, did I study it? And you start freaking out, right? So anxiety can be contagious that way, right? However, um, the For most people, it's a little more complicated. Some of us are genetically predisposed to anxiety, Mm -hmm. so we Mm -hmm. might be, have a tendency because of our family situation, our family system, um, to become more anxious. Um, For some, they might experience a life-threatening event. The thing to remember about that, that would be like a post-traumatic stress anxiety disorder. The thing to remember about that is Most people recover from that within eight weeks after the event. We're very strong and resilient people, and I think sometimes we forget about that when we're talking about anxiety. So I don't think people create their own anxiety as much as they use what we call maladaptive coping skills to deal with stress. (laughs) And basically what that means is they use unhealthy ways to deal with their stress. So you're right, that has happened to me before, like somebody 
came was taking the te- same test as me, and they came in. Oh my god, that te- I'm like, oh my god, this test can be so easy. And then someone what he walks in and goes, oh my god, the test is so hard. And I'm like, oh my god, no, right. No. You start questioning yeah. yourself, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that happens to me too. And I was actually wondering what our school slash districts are doing to help students with anxiety, and are there any resources we can uh, we use for students? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I like to think of anxiety in two ways. One is how are we preventing it in some of our younger kids? And then how are we intervening with some of our older students? So some of our middle schoolers and our high schoolers. So let's just talk a little bit about prevention. Prevention is where we're bringing in different types of programs, like we call them social emotional learning, to teach kids how to be kind, how to calm down, how to use their words, right? Because we use this in the elementary schools. We have a program called Sanford Harmony. We have another one that you probably all participated in called Stand Proud. Um, And those programs are aimed at trying to create a community that respects each other and then also helps each other out when you're stressed out, right? Uh And then we have the intervention side. And the intervention side is really targeted towards our middle schoolers and our high schoolers. We do a couple things here. One is we bring in what's called a wellness counselor, and they come into your school a couple days a week just to help out your regular school counselors in case they don't have the time to spend with uh-huh. you guys. Because sometimes you just need to talk things out, yeah, and then you're okay, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then um, another program that we have actually occurs through our special education um, program and it we see actually through that program we work with over 500 students who have uh, some sort of mental health issue I it's my goal to see that 500 number reduced because we've taught kids how to deal with their stress and anxiety uh-huh so I find it very interesting and it's very nice of the district to sh- give all these programs and I actually didn't realize the Stand Proud, I did that in fourth grade and in fifth grade. I didn't realize that it was actually for stress, too. I thought it was just, like, supporting each other. And I thought, but, and kind, kindness. And that's a good thing, but, like, I didn't realize it was all for stress and anxiety. Right. Yeah, I didn't realize that easier I, either. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it seems that adults have anxiety, just like teenagers. Just like, uh, it was... If we notice that our parents or teachers seem anxious, are there any ways we can help them? Yes. And actually, I'm going to just give you a couple of tips for helping anybody who's anxious. Okay, so the first thing is you have to listen, right? Just listen, empathize, try to see the situation from their side. It's a really nice step. (laughs) The other thing, though, once Mm -hmm. you've listened, you have to be thinking, is this really accurate thinking that this person's exhibiting right now so for example i do poorly on a test i come home and i say to my mom i fail every single test i ever take and i'm getting myself all anxious and worried right well is is that true so sometimes what you can do to help somebody who's feeling anxious is you can say hmm do you think you might be having some thinking errors or do you think that that's really accurate right now? Because anxiety thinking, anxious thinking, is usually not accurate thinking. So last year, actually, during like state testing, I don't know why, I just freaked out. 
and so I got like B's and bad grades on some tests, and I was like, oh my god, I'm failing at the math, and I'm like, and I got really anxious, but like this year, I decided not to do that, and now I'm getting better scores than I did last year, like A's, and it's, it feels really good. But what if you don't get an A? Well, then I just work harder <laughs> to make it better. You can recover yeah. from most mistakes, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You can recover from most mistakes. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think when people fail at something, they decide that they're, like, not good at it, and they don't decide to do it again. And I also know that at Sequoia, we are working on social and emotional skills during crew. We also practice mindful moments on Mondays and Fridays. Sometimes we have discussed is being aware and living in the moment. We exercise this with deep breathing. Would this be a good tip for anxiety? That's a great tip for anxiety. That's one of many things that you can do for anxiety. And for any students who are currently dealing with stress and anxiety, um, what strategies would you recommend for them? Like, how would they recover or not feeling that anxious again? Yeah, students hate my answer to this question. You can't avoid your anxiety. If you avoid your anxiety, it's just going to get worse. Okay, so mm -hmm. the first thing is to face that fear, right? Yeah. So if I'm super anxious about my math class and I get a stomach ache every time I walk into math and then I go to the nurse and I avoid it. All I'm doing is making my anxiety worse. So the first step is to face the fear, whatever it is that's making you anxious. Um, the second thing is to make sure that you're getting proper sleep and that you're getting proper nutrition, right? So when we're hungry, sometimes our thinking gets really crazy or distorted, right? Those two things are really, really important. Another thing that studies are finding is exercise is actually more effective in some cases in dealing with anxiety than medication. So you wanna make sure that you're getting all of that anxious energy out, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, I have a tweet that said my math is hard, but I just have much harder time getting better. So there's lots of things, oh, I know what it was, social media. There's also been lots of studies that link social media to anxious or distorted thinking. So if you have fear of missing out or that kind of a, a worry, that's a sign that perhaps you need to take a break from your social media. Mm -hmm. So you said that exercise can help with anxiety and stress. So I actually saw this online, like the study showed that people who exercise bef like after studying and stuff, they receive more and then take a test after, they get better scores than the people who, who just went, did the studied, didn't have a break, just like, and then just, you know, got right. the test. Yeah. So is that does it, is that re relative to like the what you said about stress and anxiety? Yes, that's a great strategy, right? Mm -hmm. Because when you're anxious, you're not studying at your optimal level, mm -hmm. right? So sometimes you do need to take that break huh. and then come back to it. And doing something active is a great idea, even if it's just taking a walk for ten minutes. Uh huh. Yeah. So to thank you for joining us today, Doctor Chamberlain. It was a pleasure to have you. Um, I. It would, I would have been really glad if I got to know these techniques last year, like at the end of last year. And if I have ever feel anxious or stressed, I will for sure use these techniques. Is there anything else you'd like to tell our listeners? I think that, yes, I do always want to end on, remember,
remember that most mistakes you can recover from. And sometimes when the mistakes happen or a failure happens, that's how you learn to deal with all these uncomfortable situations in life, right? Because there's going to be uncomfortable situations, but you can get through them. Um, that would have been a really good quote to put on a poster. So, yeah. <laughs> And so we're going to let the audience ask you some questions that they have. Hi, my name is Dominic, and my question is, uh, when it comes to anxiety, are there any ways to manage uh, when the anxiety kind of grows into a panic attack? Yes. So what you want to do, there's a few things that you can do. So first off, remember that a panic attack is, sometimes people think they're having a panic attack when they're just having anxiety. Okay, mm -hmm. so a panic attack is when you think you might die. Okay, your heart is racing, you're, you, you might start hyperventilating, your breathing gets really crazy, right? So here's the thing, you need to pay attention to when that is happening. What is triggering that and what are you thinking about? And you need to keep a calendar, keep track of it, write it down so that you can then prepare yourself with your breathing techniques, with your, your trusted adult, right, before it happens. Mm -hmm. Okay? Thank you. You're welcome. Hi, my name is Tanner, and I'm just wondering, do you know what the most common source of anxiety is? The most common source? I don't. Um, because there's so many sources. So I would say a lot of our environmental factors are sources of anxiety. I can tell you that the most common anxiety that young people experience is social anxiety. And the cool thing about that is it's super fixable because you can fix it by forcing yourself to do social things that you normally want to avoid. So basically facing your fear. Right. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Hi, my name is Sean, and I was wondering, what are some incorrect ways to deal with anxiety? Oh, that's a great question. Incorrect ways, isolating yourself, not talking about it, getting on your phone and avoiding something that you need to be doing. Those are, or sitting by yourself, in your, have you guys ever sat with your thoughts, you're by yourself, and you're not telling yourself good things, right? You're saying, oh my gosh, I'm terrible at this. I'm never gonna succeed. I, I'm not a math person. You know what, I, I just, I'm a failure, right? That's why we want you to connect outside of yourself because when you speak those thoughts, all of a sudden you start realizing that's pretty inaccurate thinking. Yeah. Um, and so it's super important to not isolate yourself, not stay by yourself in those moments. So something you mentioned, like my, well, my teacher last year and this year, short history, Mrs. Hamaker, she t told us sh for this year, we are doing this character development unit like we did last year. We talked about growth mindset and she mentioned like that you shouldn't be like, oh, I'm not a math person because you should be more like I can do anything if I put in effort and we have a chart and everything for it. So would you, so you should, is that with stress too? Like you should That's have a growth mindset? Yes, that's a great uh, that's a great strategy. And remember, you can always put the word yet on the end of, of that sentence, right? I haven't learned my math yet, right? Uh -huh. That changes your your thinking from inaccurate to accurate. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, hi, my name is Sydney. And how is anxiety different in like children and teenagers than adults? 
sometimes for especially young kids, they don't know how to deal with all the emotion as well as you might see an adult. So like a young young child might act out. We might see behavior issues. We might see a kid who just all of a sudden has this big outburst because they're feeling anxious about something or throws things. So those temper tantrums you might see. But you also might see in young kids, um, you know, crying when a parent leaves, right? Separation anxiety. Super common when kids are in kindergarten. What's super important is that that separation occurs and they learn to face that. Um, and then, so in, in adults and, and young, young adults and um, teens and older adults, all kinds of different coping mechanisms. And, and so you might see somebody who totally you know, focuses on cleaning all the time because they're trying to avoid something that's okay. making them anxious. Or um, you might see somebody who obsesses over their homework because it has to be perfect, right? So those are some of the things. But there's so many behaviors, it's really hard for us to say, oh, that person's anxious because, and that's the thing I love about this field is it's so unpredictable that sometimes we're like detectives trying to figure out, okay, what's going on with this person? So basically you're saying that oh, if you're overwhelmed, like you have a lot of homework, then you might feel anxious and stressed about it. Right. And, and some people then might avoid that. Mm -hmm. And I would like to bring up the topic of my little sister. She's in third grade, right? Adorable. And she's more laid back. So she doesn't throw many temper tantrums. So does that mean it, is that a, that's a good thing, I'm assuming, right? Mm -hmm. So if, you're, if you, the person is more laid back and then they don't they're more carefree you could say so so they don't have much stress and anxiety and they don't tr throw that so and they don't throw ten temper tantrums i don't know what's happening <laughs> and their emotions are in check usually yes yes but and that's a really good point so another cause of anxiety can be genetic right mm -hmm. so some of us are just more it also where you're born older older children the first child tends to be more anxious than the youngest child so there's all these different factors that can contribute to it right uh -huh. so some people are born these people laid-back people are born right with the ability to really just not stress out about anything mm -hmm. yeah. and I totally get that now because you said the first so my sister, I'm the biggest oldest child, and my sister is the younger child, and she's more laid back than I am about it. So that That's totally makes sense. Now. Yeah, same with me and my brother. He's actually in college now, and he basically has taught me, like, almost everything I can do because he's, like, older, and he's been through a lot, so he teaches me, like, along the way. That's a great gift. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So thank you, Dr. Chamberlain, yet again, and... Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thanks remember so much to for having me. Remember mm -hmm. to stay tuned and continue joining into Sequoia's official podcast. Thank you for thank you again, Dr. Chamberlain, for joining us today. And this is Pranav and Pradyush on K19 signing off. Bye.